Chapter 7 of Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter 7 The Jewel Room of Opar. For some time Tarzan lay where he had fallen upon the floor of the treasure chamber beneath the ruined walls of Opar. He lay as one dead, but he was not dead. At length he stirred. His eyes opened upon the utter darkness of the room. He raised his hand to his head and brought it away sticky with clotted blood. He sniffed at his fingers as a wild beast might sniff at the life-blood upon a wounded paw. Slowly he rose to a sitting posture, listening. No sound reached to the buried depths of his sepulchre. He staggered to his feet and groped his way about among the tiers of ingots. What was he? Where was he? His head ached, but otherwise he felt no ill effects from the blow that had felled him. The accident he did not recall, nor did he recall aught of what had led up to it. He let his hands grope unfamiliarly over his limbs, his torso, and his head. He felt of the quiver at his back, the knife in his loincloth. Something struggled for recognition within his brain. Ah, he had it. There was something missing. He crawled about upon the floor, feeling with his hands for the thing that instinct warned him was gone. At last he found it, the heavy war-spear that in past years had formed so important a feature of his daily life, almost of his very existence, so inseparably had it been connected with his every action since the long-gone day that he had wrested his first spear from the body of a black victim of his savage training. Tarzan was sure that there was another and more lovely world than that which was confined to the darkness of the four stone walls surrounding him. He continued his search, and at last found the doorway leading inward beneath the city and the temple. This he followed most incautiously. He came to the stone steps leading upward to the higher level. He ascended them and continued onward toward the well. Nothing spurred his hurt memory to a recollection of past familiarity with his surroundings. He blundered on through the darkness as though he were traversing an open plain under the brilliance of a noonday sun, and suddenly— there happened that which had to happen under the circumstances of his rash advance. He reached the brink of the well, stepped outward into space, lunged forward and shot downward into the inky depths below. Still clutching his spear, he struck the water and sank beneath its surface, plumbing the depths. The fall had not injured him, and when he rose to the surface he shook the water from his eyes and found that he could see— Daylight was filtering into the well from the orifice far above his head. It illumined the inner walls faintly. Tarzan gazed about him. On the level with the surface of the water, he saw a large opening in the dark and slimy wall. He swam to it, and drew himself out upon the wet floor of a tunnel. Along this he passed, but now he went warily, for Tarzan of the Apes was learning— the unexpected pit had taught him care in the traversing of dark passageways. He needed no second lesson. For a long distance the passage went straight as an arrow. The floor was slippery, as though at times the rising waters of the well overflowed and flooded it. This in itself retarded Tarzan's pace, 
for it was with difficulty that he kept his footing. The foot of a stairway ended the passage. Up this he made his way. It turned back and forth many times, leading at last into a small circular chamber, the gloom of which was relieved by a faint light which found ingress through a tubular shaft several feet in diameter, which rose from the center of the room's ceiling, upward to a distance of a hundred feet or more, where it terminated in a stone grating through which Tarzan could see a blue and sunlit sky. Curiosity prompted the ape-man to investigate his surroundings. Several metal-bound copper-studded chests constituted the sole furniture of the round room. Tarzan let his hands run over these. He felt of the copper studs. He pulled upon the hinges, and at last, by chance, he raised the cover of one. An exclamation of delight broke from his lips at the sight of the pretty contents Gleaming and glistening in the subdued light of the chamber lay a great trayful of brilliant stones. Tarzan reverted to the primitive by his accident, had no conception of the fabulous value of his find. To him they were but pretty pebbles. He plunged his hands into them, and let the priceless gems filter through his fingers. He went to others of the chests, only to find still further stores of precious stones. Nearly all were cut, and from these he gathered a handful and filled the pouch which dangled at his side. The uncut stones he tossed back into the chests. Unwittingly the ape-man had stumbled upon the forgotten jewel-room of Opar. For ages it had lain buried beneath the temple of the flaming god, midway of one of the many inky passages which the superstitious descendants of the ancient sun-worshippers had either dared not or cared not to explore. Tiring at last of this diversion, Tarzan took up his way along the corridor, which led upward from the jewel-room by a steep incline. Winding and twisting, but always tending upward, the tunnel led him nearer and nearer to the surface ending, finally, in a low-sealed room, lighter than any that he had as yet discovered. Above him an opening in the ceiling at the upper end of a flight of concrete steps revealed a brilliant sunlit scene. Tarzan viewed the vine-covered columns in mild wonderment. He puckered his brows in an attempt to recall some recollection of similar things. He was not sure of himself, there was a tantalizing suggestion always present in his mind that something was eluding him, that he should know many things which he did not know. His earnest cogitation was rudely interrupted by a thunderous roar from the opening above him. Following the roar came the cries and screams of men and women. Tarzan grasped his spear more firmly and ascended the steps. A strange sight met his eyes as he emerged from the semi-darkness of the cellar to the brilliant light of the temple. The creatures he saw before him he recognized for what they were, men and women, and a huge lion. The men and women were scuttling for the safety of the exits. The lion stood upon the body of one who had been less fortunate than the others. He was in the center of the temple. Directly before Tarzan, a woman stood beside a block of stone. Upon the top of the stone lay stretched a man, and as the ape-man watched the scene he saw the lion glare terribly at the two who remained within the temple. Another thunderous roar broke from the savage throat. 
the woman screamed and swooned across the body of the man stretched prostrate upon the stone altar before her. The lion advanced a few steps and crouched. The tip of his sinuous tail twitched nervously. He was upon the point of charging when his eyes were attracted toward the ape-man. Werper, helpless upon the altar, saw the great carnivore preparing to leap upon him. He saw the sudden change in the beast's expression as his eyes wandered to something beyond the altar and out of the Belgian's view. He saw the formidable creature rise to a standing position. A figure darted past Werper. He saw a mighty arm upraised, and a stout spear shoot forward toward the lion to bury itself in the broad chest. He saw the lion snapping and tearing at the weapon's shaft, and he saw, wonder of wonders, the naked giant who had hurled the missile, charging upon the great beast, only a long knife ready to meet those ferocious fangs and talons. The lion reared up to meet this new enemy. The beast was growling frightfully, and then, upon the startled ears of the Belgian, broke a similar savage growl from the lips of the man rushing upon the beast. By a quick sidestep, Tarzan eluded the first swinging clutch of the lion's paws. Darting to the beast's side, he leaped upon the tawny back. His arms encircled the maned neck. His teeth sank deep into the brute's flesh. Roaring, leaping, rolling, and struggling, the giant cat attempted to dislodge this savage enemy, and all the while one great brown fist was driving a long, keen blade repeatedly into the beast's side. During the battle, La regained consciousness. Spellbound, she stood above her victim, watching the spectacle. It seemed incredible that a human being could best the king of beasts in personal encounter, and yet before her very eyes there was taking place just such an improbability. At last Tarzan's knife found the great heart, and with a final spasmodic struggle the lion rolled over upon the marble floor, dead. Leaping to his feet, the conqueror placed a foot upon the carcass of his kill, raised his face toward the heavens, and gave voice to so hideous a cry that both Law and Werper trembled as it reverberated through the temple. Then the ape-man turned, and Werper recognized him as the man he had left for dead in the treasure-room. End of chapter 7